0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is probably the highest yield podcast you listen to. Now, let's take a quick look ahead at all the stuff that we'll be covering from this past week. First off, gymnastics are the best treatment for BPPV. Medications just kind of suck for this problem. Second, your smartphone could help you make the diagnosis of corneal injuries. After that, delayed intracranial hemorrhage for two articles in a row, one looking a bit long-term and another one investigating if we really need to do those repeat scans. And then finally, the best way to defibrillate when defibrillation isn't working. If you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you're just not getting the full version of the podcast You're only receiving a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, they're all good articles, but if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org, and remember, we never want money to be a barrier to patient care, so if you're having trouble affording a subscription, just reach out and we will help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Aaron Lacey, John Kerducki, Nicholas Sryka, and Clay Smith. And without further ado, I bring you the first article, which was titled Vestibular Suppressants for Benign Paroxysmal Positional Vertigo, a systematic review and a meta-analysis of randomized control trials out of the journal Academic Emergency Medicine. Now, a lot of people, they don't love vertigo as a complaint, but it's a pretty common one in the emergency department. Of course, it can be kind of difficult trying to differentiate between central and peripheral vertigo, or definitively diagnosing central vertigo at the very least. But we're just going to be talking about BPPV in these patients, because this is honestly the most common cause. So if you can really nail these ones out of the park, then that's the majority of your vertigo cases right there. Now, I don't think of myself as someone who likes to give pills out, but giving pills out is so easy. And it makes you feel like you actually physically gave something to your patient. I can't be the only one who feels this way because vestibular suppressants are often given out for BPPV, these patients with vertigo. I'd hope you're at least skeptical of the efficacy of these medications, and maybe this paper will push you over the edge. This was a systematic review and meta-analysis of five RCTs, totaling only a mere 296 patients, but looking at symptom resolution in patients diagnosed with BPPV, as confirmed by the Dix-Hallpike Maneuver, who were then treated medically. The vestibular suppressants tested were benzodiazepines, antiemetics, and antihistamines. Three of the five RCDs had canalith repositioning maneuvers as the control group. What they found was that these medications had no effect on symptom resolution after 14 to 31 days. There was also no effect on symptom resolution in 24 hours, no effect on patient satisfaction, quality of life, return visits, or adverse effects. So these medications do probably a whole lot of nothing. Compared with three positioning Maneuvers like the Epley Maneuver, which do definitely significantly improve symptom resolution. Now, despite being a systematic review and meta-analysis, this is not very high-quality data. There was a lot of heterogeneity between the studies, and enrollment numbers were pretty low. Now, I think that knowing your canalith repositioning maneuvers is a real good go-to here. I'll remind you that a Cochrane review on this topic showed that there's a number needed to treat of just three for the Epley maneuver. That's pretty amazing. And now, I'm, I'm fully supportive of when there's just kind of weak evidence either way for using treatments that at least theoretically have a good physiological basis for their efficacy. And that's not really the case for any of these vestibular suppressants, so it's hard to make a case that they're very useful for this problem. It is vault, put away your prescription pad for BPPV and take out your phone to show these patients' YouTube videos on canalith repositioning. I've recently discovered the half-somersault method, and I find this a pretty easy one for most patients to be able to do. You should check it out. Okay, and let's jump over to the second article titled Defibrillation Strategies for Refractory Ventricular Fibrillation out of the New England Journal of Medicine. Out of hospital cardiac arrest, which I'm just going to call OCA, has a huge mortality rate and is a common cause of sudden death in North America. Those refractory to multiple shocks are typically resistant to continued shocking as well. Repeating the same thing over and over again just isn't very effective and it's worth trying something new on these patients Just logically. Some data supports ECMO, but let's think about something a little bit simpler for now. We have different ways of shocking patients besides the standard shock. Namely, dual sequential external defibrillation, and then of course you can vector change, which we call vector change defibrillation for this study. This was a three-grouped cluster RCT with a mandatory crossover into each of the three treatment groups. Those groups were double sequential external defibrillation, vector change, and standard defib. These were conducted across six paramedic services in Canada. Now they were able to recruit 405 adult patients with OCA of presumed cardiac cause and refractory of ventricular fibrillation. This was considered to be VFib ongoing despite three standard shocks. Standard defibrillation was performed in the anterolateral position. Vector change defib meant that the pads were then moved to the anterior-posterior positions after the three shocks, which were not successful. And a dual sequential external defibrillation meant a second set of pads was applied to give a second shock from a second device immediately after the first device went off. The primary outcome was survival to hospital discharge, which was significantly better in the dual sequential external defibrillation group at 30%, compared to 13% in the standard approach group. That's a risk ratio of 2.21. Really quite good. In the vector chain group, this was kind of in the middle at 22%, still a risk ratio of 1.71. These are pretty good numbers. This came along with a significant change in the amount of termination of VFib, the amount of ROSC, and most importantly, good neurological outcomes at hospital discharge in the dual sequential external defibrillation group. The risk ratio for survival with good neurological outcomes was the same as the survival to discharge. Pretty darn good. So we're really doing quite well by these patients. Vector change did not have a significant increase in the rates of good neurological survival, however. In a spoonful, this is actually pretty game-changing stuff. We just need more defibrillators on hand, and if they haven't woken up after three shocks, then, you know, consider giving double shocks. Okay, that was our last article. Let's do a quick wrap-up just to remember what we just talked about. From the first article, medications meant for vestibular suppression and BPPV just aren't very effective. You're much, much better off taking a moment to do some gymnastics teaching with your patients and giving resources for home performance of canalith repositioning maneuvers. And finally, from the fifth article, dual sequential external defibrillation demonstrated a hefty mortality and survival benefit with good neurological function in OCA patients with refractory VFib. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where remember that the newsletter is a good way to make the podcast into kind of a bite-sized nugget of space repetition, so you hear all this more than once, and then you're much more likely to remember it on shift. If you're feeling like he kind of missed out, you're like, hey, you know what? Didn't he list off five articles? I only heard two. Then if you'd like to hear the rest, you'll have to join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more and save lives. And we help you do that one spoonful at a time. Thank you.